0: hey sports fans welcome to the Greg Medford show part two of the vetter Gibran interview we're gonna uh, dive a little bit into some policy we got a couple days before our primary here in Arizona we want to give a chance for Vetter to be able to put the link out to uh the folks in her district legislative district ld4 in Phoenix which runs from camelback up to pinnacle peak parkway from 16th street approximately over the 101 so it's a good block of one of the most well-heeled zip codes in america a couple of them actually and uh it's a it's an interesting block here in arizona it is center it is more centrist it spooks me out parenthetically I've noticed when the Porsches start coming into the neighborhood, there is a tendency for everybody to go left. I don't know what's going on, but all of these people driving Platinum, F250s, and Porsches, and Mercedes, and Audis, and BMWs, and they've they've arrived, have a tendency to get all centrist or left. It's the weirdest thing. They've benefited on the teat of capitalism, and they fall off their goddamn reason and logic into liberalism it's bananas to me so uh vera welcome to the show how are you
1: i'm very well it's nice to see you again
0: nice to see you too it's been forever um i wanted to go through and talk some stuff with you now i'm going to ask you some questions and if you decide you want to drive and you've got a couple things you want to bring up because i don't know everything that interests the folks that you're trying to get elected by uh, necessarily okay. Okay? okay but I can hit the big few pretty quickly fantastic um let's come out of the gate what you know
1: first of all I just want to say very quickly thank you for having me back it's a pleasure to be here I love being in your factory it's fantastic
0: well thank you and uh here we are diving right in and I'm, I'm like all business <laughs> last time I was like I was like oh my god look at her and then this time I'm like all right let's talk for real okay Perfect. so here we go um you know I know a lot of these positions You know, I was at uh, the the LD4 mixer yesterday, and I, you know, I had candidates who didn't know that you and I were acquainted coming up and saying stuff to me that was, I thought, inaccurate. So Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I play a neutral arbiter everywhere I go, unless I'm getting ready to drop a can of whoop-ass on somebody. Um, Talk to me a little bit about um, your um, political background personally, how you vote, where you've been. Uh, Voting, uh, how long you've been registered to vote, who you voted for. Give me a little lay of the land. It's a fair question. People like to know data points of someone's past as they're trying to step in and get to know Mm -hmm. a new person where they're Mm -hmm. headed.
1: Cool. So I've always voted.
0: You didn't expect that from me, did you? I I did not, but it's great.
1: (laughs) I I love the spontaneity. You know, like
0: Julie Andrews said, let's start at the very beginning (laughs) because it's a very good place to start. So go ahead.
1: Well, I started voting, you know, at, at 18. So, uh, but I, at the time, lived in Iowa. I grew up in Iowa after immigrating from Lebanon. I can't believe
0: you're an Iowa girl.
1: Well, I'm a Lebanese Iowa girl, and those are a little bit different than Iowa girls.
0: <laughs> Leboa. So, um, do you remember who you voted for? Was it a presidential election?
1: Yes, and it was uh, Ronald Reagan.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, cool, right? Yeah, you and I both had our vote the same year. <laughs> All right. Good for you. You're still welcome. <laughs> yeah, we're, on the sh- we're the same generation. You're, you're still welcome on the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So you voted Republican right out of the gate?
1: Well, I voted Republican, but from very early on, I was registered as independent because I, of course, being a logical person who prides herself on being an objectivist, I wanted a choice. I didn't want to affiliate strictly with one camp or the other. I wanted to evaluate the person their character and and go according to the policies that they were presenting not necessarily i'm you know dead set in this camp dead set in that camp so so i have actually been a registered independent the majority of my life <clears throat> but the last you know whatever decade or 15 years i mean i just have fallen away from having anything in common with the democratic party and even within my republican realm i Tend, you know, um, toward uh, being a libertarian because I really believe in the free enterprise aspect of our structure. So, um, so after Iowa, as you know from our previous uh, interview, I, I lived abroad and I never took expat status, but I was spending the majority of my time there. And then when I returned to the United States. <clears throat> into Arizona, I just moved into the Republican realm and um, registered uh, Republican.
0: How long so, have you been living in Scottsdale for? I've been here PV. since
1: yeah, I've been here since about 2014, so it's just a couple of of you know uh, a few cycles. So eight years. Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And did you live here? You lived here before that, also, right?
1: I did in the early 90s, but but yeah, in the early 90s.
0: And that was when you and your family kind of started correct. the restaurant business, correct?
1: Right cool. after college,
0: cool. right. And uh, what did you major in in school? <laughs>
1: That I wasn't expecting. It was communications, public relations, and advertising, and okay. I also did a minor in art history and a minor in philosophy and religion. Where did you go to school? I went to a private women's college, Mary Baldwin, in Staunton, Virginia. Okay. Um, it's no longer all female. Now it's a mix. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a liberal, liberal college. Liberal, liberal mm-hmm. arts college. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: I did too for a while. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, so now you get back here to arizona um have kids and life turmoil and all of that stuff and now life is kind of settled down and you're decide you want to get into politics because you see the country going in the wrong direction or it, I, you know that was my takeaway from our first chat
1: yes so that's very accurate i do not come from a politicking background no one in my family's ever been in politics However, the uh, work I did abroad uh, laid out an opportunity for me to participate in a lot of diplomacy work, and so I I acquired kind of an interesting skill set. So when things started to go southbound in my beautiful country, (laughs) I thought that if I don't get involved and use my talent and my uh, track record of success to the advantage of my state and my country, I'm kind of now contributing to the problem and i was really uh at dis-ease with that thought i bring a lot to the table and i knew that i had to offer it to my state and my country out of gratitude for what it's given me
0: okay um let's talk some policy now uh, okay. so what's the matter
1: <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs>
0: it, it, well they don't call it the uh, vedder gibran show so here we go you ready um let's talk about um give me your three hot button issues that you think are the low-hanging big balloon fruit that everybody in your district is concerned the most about
1: well they don't articulate it in the polls uh my from from my my takeaway from knocking on doors and having personal conversations with people my takeaway from that is different than whatever what everything is polling at so what's polling top are immigration You know, uh, the border. And second to that is education. And third is inflation. But what I've learned from having live conversations is that everybody is a little bit kind of upset, angry, um, perturbed and frustrated with the government's overreach into our lives. So I don't know if the, when they're polling, if that's not one of the, the, they're, the they're options. Not, I don't think they're asking <laughs> they're that. They're not asking. Yeah. But really, uh, I believe that that is the uh, apex topic.
0: Okay. Federal intrusion. What? what do you? What, how about a couple of other topics that you think are kind of prime and the forefront of your electorate's mind?
1: Well well definitely, you know, immigration and the lack of security and and education.
0: Okay, so I wrote down my three to talk about with you today.
1: Okay. So wait a minute.
0: <laughs> oh you can't see. it's says school, border, federal intrusion. Okay. So I mean I think these are the the yeah. three big ones. I yeah. think that um school and border um uh, have been crammed down our throats from the media, and I think they're real, but they've also been, you know, that th- that's an easy drum to beat. The federal overreach is a harder one to do in a f- mm-hmm. three-minute news segment or a 30-second mm-hmm. news segment. Mm-hmm. So of the three at the state legislator level, which one do you think you can have the most impact in?
1: I think it's the pushback. You know, as you know, we've got more than 430 uh, agencies, which I believe make up that fourth branch of government that is run by unelected officials who carry a tremendous amount of power and I believe that it these uh, these organizations have been the vehicle you're
0: talking about the bureaucracies of Mm -hmm.
1: the 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 CDC the Department of Education and the other you know 430 of them and I believe that that has been the vehicle that has ushered in the fascism that we are currently practicing in this country. And uh, very frequently people dismiss that allocation because they associate fascism strictly with either uh, totalitarian uh, governments or communism, etc. But in reality, it's being practiced right here. And with these organizations playing the middle role between the citizen, and the government what they're doing is they're coercively controlling the the population's behavior and uh they're they're the they're the conduit between government and the people and that is by definition fascism you know the, the private sector in link with the government
0: you know and i i i don't disagree i link in it to um, i link it to or liken it to racketeering Um, You you see the uh, old neighborhoods in the big cities of the old big cities of America, like in New York and Boston and Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. um, where safety was controlled by the very people who would injure you. So you would pay a monthly fee to the mafia Mm -hmm. so that they wouldn't burn down your store. (laughs) That's how they kind of kept you. They might break somebody's legs for shoplifting, (laughs) but but they were also part of the violence. And, you know, I see a, a violence of liberty that is being perpetrated upon the American people by the bureaucracy, it is a violence of I, liberty.
1: I totally agree with that and it's also called coercive control and actually coercive control in many countries outside of the United States is considered a, 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 a foremost form of abuse. But just to bring it full circle and to be clear on my thoughts. You know, I'm I'm not of the mindset, uh, particularly because I'll be a freshman legislator. I'm not of the mindset that I'm coming in and I have, you know, a dozen bills that I want to introduce. I did talk about the anti-grooming bill that I want to do because that's close to my heart. Uh, But I want to look at what's there and try to either dismantle or create less regulation, revisit some of the sitting bills and see how they can be reorganized and made more efficient. I don't believe that we need more regulation and more laws. I believe we need to take a look at what's there and streamline a little bit and try where we can to, to um, get the government to get out of our lives. So I, that's where I'd like to start.
0: Talk to me about uh, schools and education and kind of where that hits on your platform. Um, What do you want to do from a legislative position? As you've stated and I've stated, it is one of the primary concerns of, I think, the whole nation right now. Absolutely. But but certainly this group in in your district. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what you think you can, what can you affect change as a state legislator in schooling? And what's going on in schools we've got the assault of critical race theory by whatever name they're wanting to call it now correct. we've got um, I don't know I heard some number of how many superintendents of schools there were in the greater Phoenix area all make a 200 250 280 thousand a year. right and it was like 80 of them or something it was a bunch of them making a, there's a lot of money in education and there's a lot of money not going to students correct um, we've got <clears throat> critical race theory, and whenever they say you can't do that, then they come up with some other program, but it's critical race theory by another name. There's some sort of indoctrination that's going on by leftists in our school system to desensitize us all to non-mainstream sexual behavior. Nothing, you know, it is what it is, no judgment against it, but there seems like there is some weird push. This is just me observationally talking from the last few years. I don't understand why the Department of Education and educators nationwide aren't focused on reading, writing, arithmetic, and computer science skills. I wonder why they're obsessed with an LGBTQ agenda that is pushing that into the schools. Because I figure people who are gay are going to figure out the gay and right. they're going to work through it on their own. Like, right. And I know 50 years ago, even when we were kids, it was way more taboo. It's not taboo at all now to be gay, no. lesbian, trans, anything. No. So I'm trying to figure out kind of what the agenda is. So I don't know what's going on with them. Um, what can you do as a state leg- legislator? Let's say dive in. The number one concern is we don't want our children being indoctrinated with ideal idealism from left or the right, quite frankly, right? Correct, correct. Um. what can you do to have you thought about what you can do as an elected legislator? This is
1: a huge topic for me. So I'm going to just go at it at any time. Feel free to redirect me. or I will. Or... <laughs> I no, prom- so shy. N- no prompting needed. <laughs> well, I want to, at the outset, establish the fact that I am a mother of four children. And in addition to that, I've inherited my two nieces of my, and my nephew who lost their mother to cancer. So I'm the primary decision-maker, the mother decision-maker for seven children, uh, ranging uh, between the ages of eight and 15. So I am like literally like in the thick of it. And I do like to point out that everything on my platform, all of my perspectives, my opinions, are based on uh, me having touched these various situations. I'm not somebody who has gathered her opinions from op-eds or from news cycles. Uh, My perspectives have been formed due to my personal firsthand experience, not hearsay. So there are a couple of things. Number one, teachers in America not given the reverence that they are given in other parts of the world and there's a lot for us to learn though i think america is the absolute greatest country in the world there is room for improvement always so uh in middle eastern countries for example a teacher or a professor is absolutely on equal footing as an attorney or a physician and they are revered and they are looked to by the parents as a partner in helping direct and raise the children and they're paid handsomely. That is not the case. Uh, that has not historically been the case in the United States. So that is something that needs to be looked at to see what kind of pay and kind of doing a, a marketing and PR to try to help elevate the reputation of the of the teachers. Uh and and don't bring you think, bring don't a don't little you think they've earned, their
0: post. Don't you think they've earned the low esteem
1: well, yes, uh, there have been a lot of, you know, the education the, the education system has definitely not behaved as we've recently learned, not behaved in such a way that maintains its nobility. but that's a part of like the restructuring that needs to happen. There's, there's so many things right now, Greg, that are below the dignity of the United States.
0: And I would, let, well, let's talk about the restructuring a little bit. Because you've obviously thought about this a bunch, especially as a mom who's knee deep and kind of what you see going on. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about the restructuring that you think. What do you think? I feel like systemically, our system is so broken. Mm-hmm. I, th- I agree. That You know, there. I read some studies when I was in college, and I think they were done out of UCA, UCLA and out of NYU, and they said that if they tested the... IQ the intelligence quotient of government employees before they went to work for the government and they tested them 10 years afterwards and their their IQ went down really and there was some science behind the life of groupthink non-risk and non-creativity that created a dullness. And it, it was a measurable, quantifiable thing. Now, government employees everywhere are gonna balk at that, but if they're really honest and they see what goes on around them, they are probably going. Yeah, it probably makes sense. I mean, I have government employees say this kind of stuff to me all the time. I think the exact same teachers that we have right now in some sort of freer market, competitive school environment without a union, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, I feel like breaking the union and the National Teachers Association is the right. most important thing. Um, How do we do that at the state level? I mean, clearly we've taken the lead in the entire, really in the whole world with a privatized privatized, uh, reallocation of public funds to follow students Mm -hmm. and allow the charter, the charter is a big deal because Mm -hmm. the the charter allows us to basically, we've made an end run on the unions. We can't beat you. We'll leave you. And so what's left is worse and worse. What do we do with what's left? Because there's so many people still left in the public school system. Anybody with any merit jumps and goes to the Great Hearts Academies. You know, anybody who's really serious about the kids' education makes the jump. They do the research, and these charter schools are everywhere, and they're fantastic.
1: They are very good. And
0: the public schools are awful. I mean, my kids are in public school. It's awful. And I haven't made the jump because it was almost untenable. Geographically to make the move uh, where we're at where uh-huh. the schools are the times when the factory opens all right. of that It was just logistics about, log- logistically it was almost un- right. untenable And and so I feel like the social fabric of public schools that really do bind the country together in many ways I, It's broken. What can we do at the state level? to um, Help with the public schools because just leaving It still leaves half the population failing mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And, and, and the and there's so much money being thrown at it per student the amount of right. money is shocking right the amount of money the teacher gets paid well that's up for debate and we can all have a discussion about that. They ought to go after their union for how many superintendents make over a quarter million dollars a year quite frankly. but what do we do here? For, you know I, you know I've been thinking about this a lot as I've been <laughs> interviewing folks coming through here you know what would I do as an Arizona state freshman legislator jumping jumping in trying to make a difference in the big three? Right, schools, border, and uh, and federal intrusion. Because I wrote them down. You said them off the top <laughs> of your head. Um, so what? what and I'm not, maybe you don't have an answer for this. You know? No, I, I'm, oh, let I. Let me hear I've it.
1: Got some. I've got some ideas. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I'm I'm a student of the public school system. When I was a young girl, I attended public school in Iowa, and you remember the Iowa basic uh, basic skills test, and uh, they were. Tr- fantastic public schools, Um, you you know, you come from that generation. So Mm -hmm. there was a time when our public schools were totally sufficient. They were great. In my town of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, I think we only had like two private schools, one or two private schools, and public school was spectacular. Um, And there was dignity in being a teacher, and it, it took effort. So one of the things that I always like to address when the American school system is being attacked or denigrated. I do like to remind people that you spoke about the the um the government employees who kind of become dull over time, mm-hmm. right? Because they're kind of they're their tasks are limited and they're abbreviated for a reason. And, this distance, is, this and there's is,
0: no incentive to be creative, right? It's all risk. Right, right. Yeah. I
1: mean, this is your job description and you're only supposed to do these three or four things. And so there's no room for creativity or for innovation, but there's something very, very special about the American school system. And again, I'm speaking from experience. In many parts of the world, Students are simply that. That's all they do. They're students. They memorize and they prepare for tests. And when they do well on tests, they get to elevate their family's reputation and they get to be celebrated. And wow, you know, he got an A for memorizing uh, 70 things or, you know, she got Uh, uh, awarded for memorizing something but when it comes to actually applying their knowledge it's a different ballgame they're not trained like we are in the United States to be innovators so the typical American student whether they are in public school or whether they're in private school are participating in quite a few things music sports debate so on and so forth and so typically historically The students that graduate from the American system are usually very engaging, well-rounded, innovative people. That's why when they walk into a boardroom anywhere in Asia, they command the room because they're pragmatic. They can go with the flow. They're great speakers. They're great presenters. That's not the type of citizen other parts of the world uh, is creating. They're not. So having said that there's a real issue here and we have to bring back the um, the strength of our just basic skills right so number 1 civics needs to come back <laughs> i mean i'm sure you're aware that they have practically deleted civics from all of our curriculums
0: can you push that can you can you Absolutely. Uh, is there something from the legislative yes
1: we 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 can tell me can, about that well, we, we can say that it's required as part of the curriculum, we so, can absolutely do that. So
0: you're talking about basically passing some um, curriculum or course requirements at the state level that yeah. have to be taught within the Arizona school well, system.
1: I mean, part of our, so this is, as we spoke about before, Greg, this is like just a rat's nest. Everything needs to be dismantled. The reason why so we're partly in this mess that we're in right now is because the millennial and Gen Z and others, not just limited to those two generations, the American citizen has forgotten the power of their American citizenship. Those two words together, people have lost the understanding of the power of the American citizen where you have a voice, where as a citizen, you have a a duty to your community, to your state, to your country, because they're not aware of what they can do anymore. They don't understand their power as an American citizen, so they're just constantly leaving it to other people to fix. And so we need to understand our duty and our power as an American citizen. We need to remember ourselves Okay, with that allegiance, we need to remember ourselves with our country that is missing right now. When I talk to children from Gen Z, they don't understand the preciousness of being an American citizen, they don't understand what sets them apart from being a French citizen or a German citizen or a, or a UK citizen. They don't get how powerful it is to be an American citizen. That is why That is why people to this day all around the world are still lined up around every consulate trying to get over here, because it means something to be an American citizen and to operate under the Constitution, under the protection and power of the Constitution.
0: Well, I have these discussion with kids all the time and I and you know the kids are all really beat up. They're there America is like this Olympic athlete that's had the shit kicked out of it by a bunch of uh, tourists in a bus They got out and kicked the shit out of an Olympic athlete because America's got black guys and bloody noses And it's got scuffs all over it and it's from the teachers because the teachers are teaching a revisionist, anti-American version of the founding of the country. Yes. They're teaching an anti-American version of the building of the country. They're teaching an anti-American version of capitalism. They're teaching an anti-capitalism. So the kids get out and they've almost got no help, hope when you talk to them. You know, I talk to kids and I talk about George Washington mm-hmm. and I talk about the American project and what was going on in context in 1775 that made 1776 happen made 1783 and 1789 possible kids are blown away by it because no one's telling our great american story yeah so at the at the state legislative level i mean uh so you want to either initiate or find some laws that are primarily crafted but maybe it was the wrong time for them when they came up and now they could be brought back to the forefront polished up and 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 run through
1: i think so and the the civics needs to come back as a part of just that foundational part of rebuilding of untangling that nest and for for our citizens to remember themselves with this great constitution that's basic there's a lot of other things that i do want to bring into education that i believe will prepare our students to be on the world stage as are these, you know, in, are
0: these in the form of legislative initiatives to require instruction is that kind of what you're thinking yes okay. i am all right can, um, give me a couple
1: so one of the things is i, I want to introduce 21st century learning uh, when you and I were in school, we didn't need to know how to film and edit. I mean, you went to film school for that if you were going to be a movie maker. But now with social media being what it is and with marketing and, you know, of course, the Internet and all of that, every school should have a, a green screen room and filming, editing, presentation, PR, marketing. All of that needs to be taught because those are now basic tools just like math is and just like reading is. So in order to be uh, productive on the world stage, I think you need to have that skill set. We also need uh, financial literacy. Whether we like it or not, crypto is coming, you know the world of crypto is coming into our lives. so we need to to have financial literacy. We need to uh, bring back and make solid all of the basics, of course, you know, math, history, accurate history, uh, English, science, all the basics, rev those up. And then on top of that, um, I think we need to uh, re-examine our adherence to this idea that everybody has to go to college. That is just, that's ridiculous. Not everybody is cut out for college. You don't need to go to college to do like graphic design. When you and I were in school, we had shop Right. And we had shop, we had uh, woodworking mechanics, you know, uh, you could do uh, electrician, all that stuff. Those should be reintroduced in junior and senior year so that when you graduate high school, you have the option of being a productive well-earning citizen rather than going to college and then spending the next four to five years accruing debt and kind of killing yourself working two jobs to pay to pay for it all so there needs to be kind of a restructuring with how we prioritize um our curriculums okay and i definitely want to hit the anti-grooming thing because the things that are you know that the teachers are um imparting a little bit too much personal information about their lifestyles and their life choices i mean school has to be a place where kids can go and learn and explore uh the basics of becoming innovative thinkers being creative thinkers it's not a place for them to go and and absorb the values of the people that are teaching them that's that's the parents job
0: Let's talk about the border. Um, okay, everybody's worked up about the border. You hear it in every political gathering. You hear it on every Fox News story. You hear it on every you know. You see it all over Newsmax. You see all all over uh, the places where conservative conservatives gather their news. You don't see it in the left mainstream media, the lamestream media. You don't see them talking about the border so much. We down here in a border state, it is a it's a goddamn madhouse down here. So talk to me a little bit about you know because we've got, um, we've got. High school and college girls getting paid two grand to run down to the border in their uh, Nissan Altima and pick up two Mexicans and bring them up to town. We've got, um, and and I think you and I were at an event the other day where we saw a CBP guy show us pictures of Mexican mm-hmm. guys with giant bales of drugs yes. wrapped in plastic with straps on the outside carrying Correct. them across the border. Yeah. This stuff is everywhere and folks around the country don't get it. It's thousands and thousands of people roaming into the country and, and a shockingly high percentage of people have bad intentions. If you're bringing drugs, I don't care if you're shooting people, you have bad intentions. You shouldn't be here. And there's a lot of that going on. Yes. Um, the coyotes thing, that's almost a thing of the past now. I know. It seems mild now. Now <laughs> it's the caravan thing, right? <laughs> right. And, and caravans and college kids getting paid uh, 1500 bucks in yeah. uh, cryptocurrency to go down there and pick Mexicans up and bring them to town. It's bananas. It is. So talk to me about what you think from... A state legisl- legislators position um, what can you do to affect change in that area which is a huge area of concern for the informed and it should be a concern for the ignorant
1: so really uh, in this arena my powers are limited uh, technically they're limited mm-hmm. but as you know I'm running on a slate with uh, Senator Nancy Bartow and a former representative Maria Sims you know ld4 strong and uh, Senator Barto has a little bit, you know, uh, more power than we do. But as a slate, we came up with the, with these ideas. And actually, if you, uh, I want to read it because I don't want to get a single word wrong, um, I, you know, because I'm um, I'm responsible for my teammates. So I don't want to I don't want to mess it up. Um, we have multiple points that we want to hit uh, on the border. So we want to. First of all, uh, appropriate additional funds to build the wall and increase border uh, patrols and technology resources. We want to impose the Arizona constitutional ban on sanctuary cities. Prohibit state assets and facilities from housing illegal immigrants, except to return them to their country of origin or for prosecution. We want to require law enforcement agencies to assist in identifying and apprehending illegal immigrants mandatory jail time for human smugglers, increase state criminal trespassing penalties, publish annual statistics, I think this is really great, publish annual statistics on number of crimes committed by illegal immigrants, to bring awareness to that, and uh, impose a fentanyl tax on on Chinese companies doing business with Arizona. So my teammates and I came up with that and um, one of the things that I think I could be effective in is, uh, as you know, part of the wall cannot be built because it's on... it's on, um, The, the uh,
0: Tohono O'odham Nation's yes, land. Yes,
1: thank you. Uh, however, we need to renegotiate. We need to outbid the cartels in our negotiation, right? I mean, we have to get them to agree to allow us to build... The wall in those pockets that are vulnerable. So how do we do that? There's a couple things that we can do. Like I said, we need to outbid the cartels. Uh, We could do that by offering the the leaders a better future for their children, whether it be schooling or otherwise. And if we can't do that, we need to start uh, penalizing them. We need to take away all of their their tax benefits. And I feel like I, I would be effective in being one of the team of people to negotiate that. Um, I feel that's how I can contribute in that arena.
0: Okay. How would you feel about uh, the governor sending in the Arizona National Guard to block off the casino so they can't launder money? Yeah. Okay. Kind of Absolutely. A, that's a baller move.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, listen, we're in times when things like that need to happen. Mm-hmm. We have to stop being so correct all the time. Even Our if it the, gets republic, shut down. the republic is at stake, yeah. and we need to behave in that fashion. We have so much to lose. Greg, I've already lost my home once. I don't want to risk losing it again. I know what it's like to lose a home and what that means, and I wish I could— let my my constituents into my heart to feel what that's like this is no joke this is no joke and big bold moves need to happen and people we don't have time for weak need and spineless people we 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 this is not the time for nice guys okay this is a time to really take bold action
0: it's uh one of the things is you know as you've been going around and, and as an and i know as i've been going around and listening to everybody talk in political circles in this cycle is there's a big split in the republican party you've got your mainstream doug ducey um, you know some some of the folks you're running against are very very i would consider very centrist mainstream conservatives like there's some value in that and i i don't think there's any value in being a centrist conservative because they Not end at up at this point in time no no because their nice guy get along go along has gotten us where we are now and um, and I feel like, you know, I I I am a little flip about bringing out the National Guard and putting it around a casino and shutting a casino down, but I actually even if that would not in the long term be a tenable legal thing, and the, you know, I would force the feds to come in and 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 have a conflict with the state, force them, right? Because now what you do, you got to be willing to have the fight to expose everybody. You know, that's what Trump was a master at. He's right. like, no, I'm not backing down. I'll have the fight. Let's see who the dirty, rotten commies are that come out of the woodwork. Right. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see our leadership. You know, Doug Ducey could have fought back against everything that happened at the national level, the same way Ron DeSantis did. Why didn't he?
1: Well, it's it's part of a, a larger picture. You know, you mentioned the, the get-along uh, gang. We have, as citizens, lost our way um, in terms of the the political class right people are coming into politics for a lifestyle and for a privilege and because you know it's the tallest and brightest feather in their cap that should not be so it has fostered corruption okay and so everybody just you know we're th- everybody's thinking in two and four year uh, cycles. Nobody's thinking about the long-term well-being, the preservation of this great country. And so it's, it's, it's uh, embedded in the corruption. That's what's wrong. Mm-hmm. It, we need people to come in who understand that you are here to serve and to be effective and it is to be brief. And you should not be in this position if this is the tallest and brightest feather in your cap. Get out of the way. Make room for people who have accomplished something in their life, who bring something something to the table. This should not be a stepping st- stone. The, the, the well-being of the country should not be gambled on ever.
0: <laughs> Federal intrusion.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I got a little... I take this... I I take this so seriously. I take this so seriously. I've already lived the outcome. I cannot convey to you what I've seen. You know, I can't, it's hard.
0: Well, those of us who've been sent around the world for our country, put some skin in the game and we all take it really seriously, which is why we sit back and we don't take kindly to the rules of polite society. It's one of the reasons I'm just kind of an irreverent pain in the ass for everybody because I'm not going to be a good boy, nice boy and sit here and watch this go on.
1: Well, I'm a very polite person, you no, know, I know that. No, I know you are. And and you know, part of it, part of it, Greg, is bringing back civility and manners to this whole process because it's lacking that. There is so much undignified and dirty behavior that takes place every day and it's unnecessary because no one is that they're, they're not, I don't want to say no one. Many people are not focused on the prize which is the united states of america they're thinking for themselves and for their advancement and it's a little bit it's a little bit frustrating
0: i commend you to bring some polish to it but the problem is it's like it's making a silk purse out of a sow's ear because they're they're stealing and robbing from the you can bring polish
1: without you can bring polish and still be powerful
0: well i i want you to do that i just look at I see what's going on. You know, like I I'm 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 just I'm 1 degree away. I'm 1 fake election away from from like real hostility because we all are. Cuz while we're nice, they're basically stealing everything. And they're not I know I don't mean that figuratively. I mean it literally. They're literally behind closed doors trading our democracy, yes. they're trading it for money, they're yes. trading our capitalism, they're trading our intellectual property. At some level, somebody has approved the Chinese making copies of my products and they're okay with it.
1: That's a sin.
0: And our, and our, and our, you know the worst part? Our citizens are so um, myopic and so uneducated about American greatness, they think it's okay for our ideas to be stolen. And when I point it out, citizens yell at me and say, oh, you're afraid of competition. I go, I'm not afraid of competing. Why should I compete against people making my products against me? That's crazy, but they just don't get it. I mean, I have a, it's a large swath of the population. Well,
1: well, I've seen, you know, when you're saying trading our country, um, so not to, you know, beat a dead horse, but I am new to this and uh, this, what I have seen what I have been exposed to over the course of the last six months has been astounding to me. And, and what's, what's astounding is not, of course we all know that there is corruption, but what's astounding to me is how cheap it all is. How cheap it is, Greg, you know, these special interest groups, they think that they can donate like $500 to your campaign or a thousand dollars to your campaign. And now, they own you? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Is our is our republic that undervalued? I mean, it made me. It makes me sick. And uh, and I I've been seeing it, you know, right and left. Whether it's the lobbyists or the special interests or whatever, they think they can have a coffee with you and write you a small. <laughs> it's like really, well, you want me to sell my dignity for five hundred
0: dollars? You're you're new to this, and they're coming at you unabashed. They're not ashamed about it, right?
1: No, that not means, at all. That
0: means it's working for them a lot of the time. That's I, the sad
1: part. I don't even cash those checks. I just laugh.
0: But that's the sad part. You know, they're not taking a gamble on you. They've got to probably have a track record to go, hey, 500 bucks gets this much loyalty. It's on it's, I mean,
1: it, it's uh, honestly, honestly, it's it's heartbreaking
0: mm-hmm.
1: how cheap it is. Right. And and how many of the people involved in decision making, uh, they're sitting in decision making seats. Uh, how inexpensively they will sell out. It's sad.
0: I have railed on what's happened with China and the rise of the Chinese machine over the last fifteen years. I've railed about it ad nauseum online, and the thing people always come at me for is they say, "Oh, you're being a racist," and and um, the you know really I'm and 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 they're like why are you so angry? I'm like, you know, I'm not even angry at China. China came in and bought it. Yep. They we bought allowed it. it. We allowed it. Yeah, you know who sold it off? Our cheap politicians. Yes. They sold us off. Yes. I'm not I'm not mad at you. You know what? If you don't have to have a war and all you have to do is come in and buy off the stuff, why wouldn't you? Look, I always
1: you have gotten to know me a little bit and uh, you know I always give credit where credit is due. And they've just out, you know, they've outstrategized and outsmarted that's you have to give them credit where credit is due. They understood. They figured out a long time ago that we're
0: completely for sale.
1: That, <laughs> that if they can get American citizens to weaken themselves, to break themselves, then we're just making the job easier for them. So they've been great strategists.
0: And, and, you know? and the thing is, it's it's not like a game of go. They just paid. Yeah. And like you know, they just paid.
1: You know, I I'm always. Um, very uh, truthful about my perspectives, I don't feel like I've got anything to lose because I have everything to lose. I get it. Okay. So whatever I say here or other interviews will probably be used against me. I really don't care. I really don't care. (laughs)
0: Let, Let me talk about, I think that the issues you've just mentioned are almost insurmountable. And so I personally believe I, I personally believe the Republic needs to be burned to the ground and rebuilt. Okay? It's just me. Um, but, uh, and I think if you dive into schools, border, and federal intrusion, I think nothing's going to happen. Just to me. That's just my opinion. You'll be able to make zero progress because these are the same three complaints for the last 20 years. Let's talk about two things that I think you can swing the needle on a bunch. You just don't like my setup here. It's too confining my legs for you, are isn't too it? Long. You the got the legs long legs plus long. 12 inch heels.
1: No, no, these are like, no, they're not. They're not they're, 12 inch. I was no, exaggerating. Like five.
0: They're five inch they're heels. Six. I don't know. So, um, do you want to take off one of your shoes so we can show everybody? I mean, it's, we should show everyone your shoe. I would like to show off your shoe.
1: Are you crazy?
0: Yes. So, let's go talk about two things that are coming and they're coming fast and they if you get re-elected or if you get elected i'm sorry um as, as you get sworn greg, in greg
1: where's the love I, what are you talking about you mean when i get elected is that what you meant to that's say what here? i meant that's All what right, i meant great. i have everybody through here i got so your i have to back. be, a, I I have to be a
0: neutral arbiter when we're talking <laughs> um when when the next session of the Arizona State legislature convenes, legislature convenes, there are going to be two big issues that are absolutely going to hit them in the forehead. And uh, they're coming really fast, and they're big hot-button issues, and I feel like most legislators are not prepared to talk about them. So I want just want a general conversation about it. Um, the Second Amendment and abortion, they're coming, because that the abortion debate... Um. Thank goodness the Supreme Court has decided to realize the intentions of the founding fathers, and things that are not enumerated into the power of the federal government go back to the states. They've made this ruling, and I don't consider it a win or a loss for abortion. I consider it a win for America. Mm -hmm. It's a win, and and I'm keeping myself out of the abortion, the technical abortion fight. Cause that we're going to have that here in arizona we're getting ready to have a fight mm-hmm. because brnovich has decided that we're going to go with the i don't know 1905 or 1907 territorial no abortion law mm-hmm. okay well uh you know that that's probably not going to fly in a modern southwestern state that's got a lot of Calif- california and texas sentiment mm-hmm. and, um i don't know about that <laughs> that might have that that flew when there was that, that was pre-women's suffrage when that bill was mm-hmm. passed mm-hmm. so um, we've got two big things coming up, all right. Mm-hmm. The discussion about abortion and uh, and discussion about the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. These are two huge issues for Arizonans. Talk to me a little bit about where do, have you developed your own nuance that you're comfortable talking about about abortion. Well,
1: at the outset, I would like to just state that very many citizens don't un- don't understand that pro life will still permit abortion for rape victims and incest victims. Mm -hmm. So that's very frequently uh, overlooked. Uh, It's going to have to come back, you know, to the state. That's what's going to happen. And the representatives will have to accurately represent their constituents. And whether that's no abortion whatsoever or whether that's six weeks or eight weeks or we uh stick with the 15 weeks that uh, on the bill that Senator Barto uh, championed that remains to be seen uh there's the entire discussion about the morning after pill right mm-hmm. and um because that that actually prevents uh, a heartbeat from from uh, developing so it's also going to force people to look at uh men's uh, uh Contraceptions differently and ha- create an opportunity for more exploration there. There's a lot, it's a loaded, loaded topic that kind of in, permeates into everything else somehow. It's extraordinary.
0: Let me set the stage on it because this is uh, it doesn't matter what your opinions are on it This is the state. This is the debate that will be had Mm -hmm. And everybody's gonna chicken shit around until they come up with uh, and they're gonna have to take a stand on it And you know, this is what's spooking people right now and it's spooking politicians at every level because We've all been able to put a stake in the ground because we haven't had to actually vote on it because it's been stolen Mm -hmm. from us for 50 years Mm -hmm. And now the vote's getting ready to happen and now um, it's not gonna get overturned by the Supreme Court. It's gonna mm-hmm. be the law of the land mm-hmm. and you're getting ready to step into that breach You know, we really have conception the moment sperm hits egg and we've got you know, Create the beginning nugget of life. Then we've got the heartbeat somewhere between six and eight weeks um, Then we've got the development of the central nervous system 12 15 weeks or so and then we've got this kind of moving goalpost of viability as technology gets better but say it's around 23 weeks or so i believe so we've got these different um kind of lines in the sand at conception heartbeat nervous system viability birth and everyone's gonna you know in america has a tendency when you pull them away from their political affiliation and you ask them the question America has a tendency to really talk about around the heartbeat in the central nervous system. 85% of all people polled are all within a couple weeks of each other. It's phenomenal when you present kind of the science of gestational development. People have a tendency to pick a spot that they feel is reasonable. And that's going to be the paradigm all the politicians are dancing around. They're going to be dancing around the fact that so many people agree on a really narrow area. It's quite surprising uh and and we've all had these very polarizing opinions for so long conception you know, or, you know or 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 all the way to the end so it's fascinating and I look forward to hearing what you guys come up with on this it's women making this call who are people of faith who have daughters and have lived the female experience and been mothers all weighing this out to come up with the decision. I think guys get a say in this also, unless somebody passes a bill that says, guys aren't responsible for paying for anything. I think guys get a vote on this. And it's certainly the feeling of the vast majority of men I talk to, unless they're just chickens and they go, oh no, that's a girl thing. I don't talk about it.
1: I don't think anybody says that anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I still hear guys say that. You? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um. So I'm curious to see yeah. what everybody comes up with and I'll be curious to see what you know, and I'd love to at some point, um, you know, Uh, If if you're if if you're seated in the house, we get you back to talk about kind of what you guys have come up with, because I'd like to hear what the discussion, how the discussion evolves, because everybody in the legislature is kind of scratching their head what to do right now, because it's been easy to be extreme while we haven't had to make the vote. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, The Republicans passed, I don't know, it was eight or 10 Obamacare abolition bills. And the minute they had the majority, they couldn't pass one. (laughs) They were lying. And conservatives have been lying about this they issue. They are saying what they're supposed to say. Yeah, That's right. And right. conservatives are lying about this issue right now, and we're going to get called out for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 uh, it will be curious to see where the answer falls. I have a funny feeling it's going to fall right where the populace wants it. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Let's go on to the Second Amendment stuff.
1: Look, I told last time I was here, I told you about my village taking up arms to push against an extremist agenda that was infiltrating our village, like literally the citizens of the village took up arms. That wasn't that long ago. That was 1981, Right. all right? Right. So my perspective on, on the Second Amendment is that you can't give, it's not an inch, you can't give a millimeter, nothing. We have to be able to hang on to all of our guns, all of them, whatever kind we want at all times. We cannot give up that. Power. We cannot. We will. We will disintegrate in a matter of no time.
0: Do you any? Do you own any firearms? I do. What do you have?
1: Do I have to say I? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll... You have to.
0: <laughs> sure. Tell us what it, you have. You don't have to tell us night, where it's at.
1: In my nightstand, what I keep next to me is a is a three fifty seven magnum.
0: Okay, that's a great safe home defense weapon. Yeah. Do you have any others, or just so? Are you a one pistol gal?
1: Nope. I've got a few. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. What else you got? You got any, you got any rifles?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm well equipped. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> spoken like a true uh spoken sp- spoken like a true end of dares. Well of you know day-ers. you
1: just can't uh
0: what's that? <laughs> Do you have any Gucci guns? <laughs>
1: You guys are terrible. Yeah, we
0: are. <laughs> um, we're gonna get to your shoes in a minute. So let's talk just for a moment about. Um, let's do a lightning round with you. I'd oh like boy. to ask you some right. up or down on a bunch of issues. Okay.
1: Are we doing this and this? I know you could yes? just no? tell me.
0: Uh, okay. Like not a lot of nuance, just real quick. And if you feel like I don't want to answer that without some nuance, All give right. me a, give me a couple moments if All it's right. needed. Um, how would you feel uh, if the Arizona con or the Arizona legislature? puts together a bill uh, to pass a law in the state of Arizona that forbids any state law enforcement, whether that be county, municipal, or Arizona State Police, it forbids them from enforcing federal anti-gun legislation. Would you be in support of that bill that forbids them from...
1: No one should ever have the power to confiscate our weapons, ever, under any circumstance, at any point in time. We cannot have that.
0: Because you know the bill's coming. You're going to have to, I mean, that's the one they're going to ask to I will go to the sign. mat for that. Okay. So just to be clear, you're in support of an Arizona law that stops the federal government from taking firearms.
1: 100%. Okay. And that's a big, big, big one. We cannot, that is one of those things that's like a major deal. I mean, this will, everything will fall immediately after that
0: what if the arizona state legislature puts a bill forward that says that public school teachers can no longer belong to national unions awesome would you sign that bill Mm -hmm. would you sponsor that bill
1: So, you know, the sponsoring of new bills as a freshman, I don't, I think it might be a little bit arrogant because I don't have those relationships yet. Um, I may like co-sponsor or, you know, I need to, as you know, Greg, part of, part of success is kind of evaluating the terrain and then managing your expectations and being strategic about that kind of thing. So I would have to look at Um, The feasibility of me introducing a bill like that. It just needs to be evaluated. But yes, I'm in support of that. Okay. I I may not be the best person for that, but I would support it.
0: Well, you know, if I live in your district and I vote for you, I want you to go make allegiances with the Nancy Bartos in the Senate and the other Mm -hmm. people and friends with Carrie Lake. So that maybe you could snag onto a bill that's three quarters written or was turned down five years ago, mm-hmm. spark that back to life. Use one of right. the more senior legislators And that's legislators what, and kind what of. I was
1: talking about okay. earlier: is taking a look at what we've got, where we're at, seeing how we can streamline. And it, when I say that there may be somebody who's better suited, may may already have a great mm-hmm. track record with that, and I can
0: assist. Or, the, with, or they came but, up too short. So
1: there's, you know, a part of a part of being an effective person is. Understanding your own limitations and being objective enough, and taking your ego out of it, so that you can really evaluate what value you are adding to uh, to an initiative. So I don't I don't make decisions this big and this serious from a place of arrogance. I take my ego out of it, and I look at it. I look at the variables very objectively. So I I go through that process with everything.
0: Where's the money going to come from to finish the border wall? If we pass state law saying it needs to happen, where do you think the money comes from? Right Sounds now, like we
1: have a five billion dollar surplus. Right now, right. Yeah.
0: So you'd like to pull it out and just get it done. Yeah, do it for the nation. Do it for Arizona.
1: It. it this is.
0: It's COVID money, anyways. As it, you well it, know, it's
1: it's you know this is one of those we are, we are in danger of um you know that this country being completely reshaped. It's it's not okay. This, yeah. this is the time to use that money. This is the time.
0: Okay. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the big projects that are being jammed up right now in Arizona. We've got huge mining projects that are multi-multi-billion dollar mining projects that have been jammed up by the EPA. Um, out protecting hunks of dry pancake desert in the middle of nowhere that no one lives by that nobody in this country would ever want to live in practically. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to me about your thoughts on some of these major, major projects, Um, especially in light of the outsourcing that's happened for precious metals that are used in uh, aerospace, semiconductor technology, and uh, kind of a lot of the componentry that goes into missiles and rockets, Mm -hmm. um, super high level aerospace, I'm not talking about general aviation, you know, a lot of these rare and precious metals we have. An abundance we, of here sure in arizona do. we sure do and uh, me personally as a capitalist when i look at this nation and its bounty that mm-hmm. has just ended up under our feet yeah us not using it is uh it's reckless well it's almost an abuse of other people you know uh, we don't want that to do that on our land but we'll let you do it to your mm-hmm. land and we'll buy it from you mm-hmm. it's an outsourcing of ethics mm-hmm. i feel like we can mine well here absolutely and we should do it here
1: And so I'm 100% in support of that and becoming independent and becoming wealthy from those natural resources that we're literally, like you said, standing on. Uh, This is not an arena that's very super familiar to me, and I am learning. I'm getting together with people who I'm learning from and kind of uh, understanding the dynamics of it all, but I'm 100% in, in support of exploring what are options here, understanding our resources, the kind of prosperity, and also
0: independence that it'll afford us. And I think it's a national security issue. I'm like, it, it is. No, I, I know for a fact we can do big mining and we can do it very clean for the environment. And, you know, we're not Connecticut and Massachusetts that are getting lots of rain all the time, washing mm-hmm. stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. You dump a pound of metal shavings out in the desert here in Arizona it's going to be there in 150 mm-hmm. years <laughs> you know you, you can park an airplane out here on the desert it doesn't change <laughs> it doesn't for a can... century there's no moisture nothing being carried <laughs> right. away anywhere else you right. know it's not like we've got all these little streams and rivers and tributaries yes. blending everything together right yes um i feel like even if it does pollute a little bit it's a national security interest got to do it
1: yeah the the risk reward yeah absolutely yeah. We,
0: we can do that we've got
1: but I am, I mean, I think it's just a fascinating topic and, and I have been meeting with some very interesting people and I, I'm I'm learning, but uh, not enough to have a, an articulated opinion on.
0: The congressman from those areas who, as you go out into the rural part of Arizona, there's a lot of poor, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of less than, mm-hmm. and those areas where those minds would be would instantly be jolted into the upper middle class. Isn't that wonderful? And, yeah. um, you know, talk about a mine that would improve the lives of 12,000 people mm-hmm. in a town mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the town would be paved and have new stores and it would just brings places to life. Yes. And we've stopped doing all that. We think we can do nothing and on a computer and be information technology people and build new bridges and roads with that. And you really can't. No. Not It's not sustainable. You got to make stuff.
1: Yeah, you got to make stuff and uh, (laughs) I'm not certain why, um, you know, kind of like the PR and marketing that goes around physical labor and how somehow that has been degraded. I don't understand that. My father, when we immigrated to this country, worked in a factory um, and uh, used his hands, you know, he was painting John Deere uh, equipment. And uh, just that, that spirit of, of labor and the dignity that comes with that kind of labor. My father always taught me that it doesn't matter what kind of fit. There is, no, there is nothing undignified about participating in physical labor. It's only undignified if you're doing something illegal, you know, running drugs or whatever, you know, that kind of uh, behavior. I, I don't know why we have shifted away from making this a very noble and respectable way to earn a living i
0: don't get it i think it's because we moved to the cities you know in the preceding centuries of our nation we were very rural and kids were fixing tractors and farms. We we're working out agrarian and people had lots of kids to help out and we moved to the cities and we lost our contact young people don't know how to fix things anymore they don't middle age my guy guys my age don't know how to fix stuff anymore it i know i'm me. always
1: so impressed when i meet somebody that can fix something because that that. Like doesn't happen anymore because that was right? the
0: rugged self reliance of the pioneer and the farmer and the builder of the nation. You know th- oh. those of that rugged reliance because you were in the middle of nowhere and there was nobody else to turn to. That's right. We've lost touch with our roots in a lot of ways, yeah. and uh, and then the, uh, the
1: I know I th- that survivalist um, that survivalist instinct in us all has kind of been depleted, mm-hmm. uh, sadly. But you know again, it's a part of that rat's nest that we have to untangle.
0: Awesome. Well, is there anything else you'd like to chat about before we bounce off today? So a, pre, a pre-primary a uh, pre chat over policy and thoughts from you. Um, I see there's still... Um, how long have you been in this race now?
1: Since middle of January. A okay. lot of my competitors started last September or so, uh, because of the redistricting, I didn't know which district I was going to fall into, so I had to wait.
0: So you're six and- months in, and I see, uh, and we've had some big political shifts on the landscape at the federal level because of the Roe v. Wade overturning, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I, it's interesting to watch everybody's opinions on these things gel. The next couple of years for me, just as a kind of a political hobby observer chatter about our guy... Um, I'm I'm excited to see people actually have to think through abortion and I'm excited to see what challenges happen with the EPA because I feel I feel like the EPA is one of the most evil forces in the nation That Mm -hmm. has hampered us at every level Mm -hmm. Uh, The EPA and the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. They have such nice names. You could almost name them like um, the organization of saving babies health and they end up killing everybody (laughs) Um, they've got these really benign names. It's very names. Orwellian. I know, I know. Yeah. It's and, and it's always a dirty the PR, rotten, it. evil it's, groups. It's
1: just so it's just all so surreal. What I'm hoping is going to happen is you know right now more than ever we have non-politicians and mothers stepping up to the plate. Yeah. And uh like I said, you know, we have nothing to lose because we have everything to lose. And I'm hoping that uh we are not, or I know I'm not going to be, but I hope that that corruption kind of stays at bay and people maintain their strength and maintain their principles and good things, good decisions and good actions will be taken. It has to happen. It has to happen.
0: There's too much at stake. People are going to watch this and go, hey, Vera, well, who should I vote for? <laughs> um, You want to run through? You want to do a who do you vote for thing? Or do you want to not do that? I find it really fun.
1: <laughs> I'll. We can try it. All right. I'll go. roll the dice on All it right. with you. So
0: here's what we do. Let's rip it. Okay. And uh, it's going to be great because if your constituents run across a link to the video, they can go in and see kind of who you're thinking uh, up about the, that you jive with. I feel a lot of times knowing who other people support lets you kind of know where they're at if you mm-hmm. haven't had time to get your needle on their record. So, uh, governor, who who's your pick for governor? Carrie Lake. Uh, by a big margin, sorta a lot, oh, strongly. My, no, like. Over-
1: uh, it that's it. Okay. Yeah. Like there it. is no other person not at this point in time. You have to remember that I'm really of the opinion that this is an unprecedented time. I know that there are always unprecedented times, but right now we know the the consequence of the enemy having uh in, infiltrated. We weren't as aware of it before. Yeah. And and now we have we are now at that point Who's of no enemy? return. Who's the enemy? The globalists the chinese
0: okay uh yeah. attorney general abe i love abe <laughs> i was uh, I, I was i was a little on the fence about him until i heard him speak of the trump rally and i was like mm. oh my god that's the next governor after gary let's yes. uh let's move on to Secretary- you know
1: abe abe what i love about abe is uh he I, you know again he comes from my part of the world he understands what's at stake and uh he's not afraid i i'm my heart is with people who are not afraid i'm sick of the pansies i don't have time i don't have time for the pansies you know what's funny and i don't have a tolerance by the way for the pansies i have no room for them in my life and i don't want them dictating my children's future
0: you know what's funny is if you look back in american history how many times immigrants have saved it It is, is almost, that right it is immigrants who do the saving mm. it is immigrants who built the railroad and connected us That's into true. being a real nation yes it's immigrants who built the bridges <laughs> and the skyscrapers yes. it was my greek grandfather yes. and the trucking yes and it was the it was immigrants doing these jobs that third and fourth generation americans become too good for mm-hmm. it was immig- it was immigrants who built the country and the immigrants still make the country turn
1: you know, my the original Gibran's arrived uh, in the late 1800s and uh, in all of our restaurants, all the U.S. egg restaurants, we've got pictures of my uh, great great uh, uncles and we have grocery stores and butcher shops and uh, throughout the Great Depression, when they were actually, uh, during that time they hadn't yet integrated into society, they weren't very accepted, they mm-hmm. were very deeply discriminated mm-hmm. against. Mm-hmm. During the Depression my, the Gibran's would allow people to run tabs and would pay when they could. And they were very, you know, community oriented because th- that's just part of our culture. That's how we roll. And uh, through that process, they, they were welcomed into, into the, and accepted into the communities. So yes, the immigrants that make the change.
0: Immigrants save the country, they really do. And uh,
1: from uh, your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, yeah
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and legally and yes <laughs> you know and, and, and came here legally in the process into the yes, country yes, properly yes this and is they, all
1: it, under the premise that and, it's legal and they
0: didn't come with their handout they came right. with they you know they didn't come with their handout they to catch something they came with their handout to hand them a tool
1: ah oh, you know our immigrants well
0: our immigrants did come with a handout and it was half clenched to a fist for a hammer in it or a welding thing or a rivet squeezer or a ladder or a torch or a wagon thing, you well know.
1: people came here for an opportunity
0: mm-hmm. to
1: to work they came here for the opportunity i mean a lot of other countries don't even offer you the opportunity right. to work and right. in so many countries you do work hard and make nothing right here it's just you know it's free enterprise what could be more beautiful than fulfilling the potential that God has allocated to you. Yep. Nothing is more beautiful than discovering that about yourself. And only this this great country allows for it.
0: Well, thanks for coming on the show a second time. Um, it's after, my pleasure. After you're uh, in the legislature, we will uh, get a chance to sit, We're gonna sit and talk with <laughs> you. Such a quick you. learner. <laughs> We're gonna uh, sit and talk with you about how some of these big issues that are coming up. I mean, I want to hear it first. I don't want to hear about what you think when it's in a bill after the fact as uh folks. You know, I mean, I grew up in your neighborhood. I want to I want to hear what you think about this stuff before the bill gets passed. It would be a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks Always. for coming in. Hey, sports fans. Third leg of the milk stool, the American uh, free press. You know, if you didn't need a press in 1775, Everybody would have been doing a podcast talking about liberty. But you needed a press because there wasn't an internet and there wasn't airwaves and there wasn't a TV and there wasn't a radio. The only thing you could do is have a press in a little shop printing up one-page newspapers and sending them around. And people were using fake names. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams. They were all writing these amazing pieces of thinking on the free market and they had to put fake names on them because they were so worried about being oppressed and these days everybody knows who we are We can't put fake names on anything unless you're on Instagram or YouTube and you're a total chicken shit um, People know who we are and what they do is they shut down Truth and they shut down ideas that are not part of um, The group think and the group think if we are real honest with ourselves The groupthink is what allowed Hitler to round up 6 million Jews and 6 million gypsies, political dissidents, and religious figures that he wanted dead. And allowed Nazi Germany to kill 12 million people. Groupthink is the most dangerous thing there is. We have to look to the people with aberrant or um, objecting or out of mainstream voices and we have to listen to them and see if there's something there. We can't just turn them off. Somebody in 1939, 1936 should have said something and might have been able to stop 12 million people from being slaughtered. And that's what we can't allow to have happen here. And if you would have said in 1933, if you were a German intellectual and you said we're going to kill 12 million people in the next decade, everybody would have laughed at you, except it happened. And people say, oh, well, that'll never happen again. It'll absolutely happen again. It's just a matter of time and the the one thing we can all do is get together and talk about and defend our ideas because the battlefront now really as we've seen with the Chinese and how they've worked their way into America the battlefront is not necessarily bullets the battlefront is the marketplace of our ideas and our morality and our morality is decayed enough that our elected people have sold us off right in front of our very eyes so we have to be here saying this. It's the only thing I know how to do. Thanks for joining us to Greg Medford Show. Check us out. iTunes Spotify and Rumble. And we'll be here doing this chat. And you can also vote Vera. Go to votevera.com. dot <laughs> com. Is that what you were gonna say?
1: Yes. And by the way, I'm running for the State House in L D four. Oh yeah. <laughs> VoteVera dot com. We're gonna put yes. that graphic
0: on the screen, don't worry. <laughs> VoteVera.com. I'm endorsed
1: by the most conservative in the in the game, you know, cap action and.
0: All right, sports fans, that's your show. Greg Matt from the Greg Matt Show. I'm out.